Welcome to Cannabis Health Radio, a podcast where we share stories from people around the world who are using cannabis as medicine. The information is meant to raise awareness about the health benefits of cannabis, which should not be taken as medical advice. Now, here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to episode 406 of the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. Today's episode is a little different than usual in that we're going to go over some questions that we receive from people at Cannabis Health Radio and also the ones Corey receives, probably on a daily basis. But first, before we begin, I want to thank those of you who are supporting the podcast by making a one-time donation or a monthly donation, which you can do for as little as $5 a month. That helps to keep us running, and you can find out how to do that on our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Thanks for your support. And one other thing, we'd like listeners to know that you can help us spread the word about the amazing benefits of cannabis just by sharing our podcast, writing a review, or rating us. And uh, we're on many platforms, including Spotify, Google, Apple, Rumble, and probably on several others that we don't know about. Corey, this is episode 406. Did you realize that when we started this in 2016, did you think we'd get this far? Never gave it any thought. <laughs> but this is a lot. That is a lot of interviews. Yeah, it is a lot. And we used to do, for the first 11 months, we used to do one every weekday, which was crazy. And then uh, yeah, we quit right. for two years. And then you and I got to, together for coffee one day and said, let's start it up again, which we did. And it's great. It's, uh, it's very interesting. We've interviewed a lot of extremely interesting people, and uh, especially those who have used cannabis to help them recover from serious ailments. So today we're going to go through some of the basic common questions that uh, people ask us and ask you, Corey, especially on a daily basis because you help people every day. What would you say is the most common question you get asked? Wow. Uh, there's a few. Um, is this going to interfere with treatment that they're having? So the answer to that is, in most cases, no. Um, in cases where people choose to do orthodox treatments, chemo, radiation, immuno, uh, if they do it in conjunction with oil, they will come through it far better by a country mile, uh, not only in the severity of the side effects, but also in how effective the actual treatment itself is. Um, Initially, there was some trepidation and question as to whether or not you could do uh, immunotherapy with cannabis oil and whether or not it would interfere. But for the most part now, that seems not to be the case. Certainly, I've had a number of patients who have been told by their uh, oncologist or physician that they can do both. Um, the other thing that I get is where people are thinking that THC will increase hormone driven breast cancer or hormone cancers period. So let's touch on that for a moment. Mm -hmm. Because unfortunately, mm -hmm. still there is a lot of misinformation out there. And I encounter 
news of women dying every day from hormone driven breast cancer that don't need to be dying. So one of the misconceptions out there is that THC will push hormone driven breast cancer or even hormone driven cancers in general. That is not the case. All of that hoopla came from one poorly conducted, poorly analyzed, poorly done study done in a Petri dish that in the end did not even meet the criteria for what is deemed a study. Some of the top experts in the world, Dr. Frankel, when he was still with us, uh, Dr. Christina Sanchez, who specializes in breast cancer and cannabinoids, will tell you high THC. Regardless of any of that, what I can tell you is in 12 years of doing this virtually every day, but for 11, mm -hmm. I have seen unprecedented success with these hormone-driven breast cancers, more so than I have seen in 12 years of doing this. And it's on a high THC product, four to one ratio. So that's the other thing that we get asked a lot, that interactions and also how long it's going to take to work. Well, everybody is different. That whole 60 grams in 90 days is out the window. 60 grams of what? Oil that's 65% THC, 3.2% CBD, 0.1% CBG. How damaged is that person's body from chemo and radiation? How many cannabinoid receptors does that individual have? We have no way of determining that. So, you know, it, it can be, it can really, really vary. You can have two patients with the same diagnosis, same history, put them on the same oil, one will respond like that, and one will take quite quite a bit longer. So we really don't know. It's very individual until people start taking it. Yeah, one of the questions that we get a lot, and we get this, I would say, you probably get it on a daily basis. Uh, we get it at Cannabis Health Radio uh, multiple times, is where can people buy this product and they want to go on a website and uh, why is buying it on a website not a good thing let me count the ways <laughs> okay all right because fa facebook is is replete with uh, scammers oh completely yeah just all over the place so um these websites more and these websites and these Facebook pages, but let's just talk websites. These websites uh, more often than not are going to be a scam. If you receive anything at all, the likelihood is that it will be is highly likely that it will be subgrade product. If you get anything at all, um, you don't get any kind of uh, instruction for the most part on how to take this. The individuals producing this product generally are not educated on how to treat patients. This is more about them producing and, and selling. But the number one thing is the, the likelihood that you are going to get scammed ordering online is huge, mm -hmm. okay? Um, mm -hmm. And the same with these Facebook pages. I repeatedly tell people, and I'm gonna say it yet again, 90, 95% of these cannabis cancer Facebook pages are a thin veil for scamming and selling people, and they are handing out information on those pages that is killing people. Um, I've talked about this before. I had six women in a 48-hour period pass away from hormone-driven breast cancer because of one page who's selling a high CBD product, recommending high CBD, 
And all these women passed away from breast cancer. Those are just ones that I heard of. Mm. Okay. So you've got to be so, so careful where you source from. Um, part of why I do what I do. Yeah. T- Corey, tell me about, yeah. tell me about the, the four to one strain that you've, you've mentioned on a number of podcasts. Tell people, what does that mean? Okay. Four to one. Well, first of all, I really, really wish, I wish I could tell you that I did a crap load of research to come up with that because that would be really, really impressive. Um, because we are again, seeing unprecedented results more so than I've seen in 12 years of doing this. Um, and it was just a passing thought. I said, you know, indica can be a little heavy. Wonder what would happen if we threw in some CBD. So we, in quotations, created this four to one ratio. Mm-hmm. So it's four parts of THC to one part of CBD. Mm-hmm. And it's a multi-strain product. At first, when I first saw this working in, uh, it was on one particular product in the coming out of the States. And I thought that it was specific to that product. Then we started seeing the same type of results in Canada, in Spain, in the UK, in Australia. And um, we are seeing unprecedented results. I know that oil makers around the world have started to adopt this four to one ratio. So again, that is four parts of THC to one part of CBD with preferably, if possible, the CBD component coming from cannabis. Do you get many questions on what strains should I use? I get a fair number, but you know, here's the thing with strains and I, I'm more about, it's not strain specific. It's more about getting a good, good blend. You know, we could buy a purple Kush plant in say Florida. We could buy one here. We could buy one say in Germany, we could buy one in Australia and they're all going to have totally different properties. So for myself, I think it's more about just getting a really good mixture than it is a particular strain. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, how did uh, it come to pass that many, many people believe that CBD is the answer to their problems with cancer as opposed to uh, going for a high ratio of of, uh, THC? Well, I don't know how it came to pass, but I could tell you that I'm surprised I'm not bald (laughs) for tearing my hair out over it because I cannot tell you how many people we have lost others have lost because they thought cbd would kill cancer Mm -hmm. um i think part of the reason for the misinformation is there are so many multi-level marketing companies out there selling cbd there is a huge one out there um that infiltrates a lot of these facebook pages and claims uh the individual claims that it quote cured her mother of ovarian cancer, but whoopsie, if you look actually in the notes, she had radiation, et cetera. Um, CBD on its own does not kill cancer. Very, very occasionally you will hear of somebody who's claimed to have just used CBD and cleared cancer, but um, really it's THC. You could CBD with THC, certainly, but not CBD on its own. And remember the interview we did several years ago of this fellow in California, they analyzed uh, products on the market, uh, CBD products on the market, and uh, they did an analysis of their content, and I think it was over 80% of them did not have 
the uh, amount of CBD in the product that was claimed on the label. So you got to be very, very yeah, careful. Yeah, I remember that very clearly. Yeah, you got to be really, really careful. So the, the thing is, it's the um, THC gets into the mitochondria of the cell and creates apoptosis, okay? CBD does not. CBD, um, CBD is more for stopping metastasis. Okay, it lowers that inflammation in your body. Inflammation is a prime breeding ground for cancer. Um, it's the THC that kills the cancer, though. Now, let's get into another important aspect of uh, healthy living. And you deal with this a lot. And uh, it's people and dieting and what they eat, what they consume, and uh, they sometimes look at you in disbelief when you tell them to start eliminating some of the junk food that they're consuming. Talk about that for a bit. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, so the diet plays a huge, huge part in, in your recovery. Um, as a matter of fact, I spoke with a, a physician a few months ago whose mother is on oil for breast cancer. And she said she is sick to death of these doctors that say you can eat anything don't worry about it, et cetera. She said, you're darn right, your diet matters. 100% it matters. Mm -hmm. So the worst two things that people can put in their mouth are sugar and processed foods. Um, so I'm always very clear with people, and please, if you're listening, hear this statement loud and clear. Almost all cancers are sugar burning. That is how they survive. Okay, so you've, you, you, I've said over and over again, as you know, Ian, if, every time you ingest sugar, it's like pouring miracle grow on cancer cells. Okay, so sugar and processed foods are the worst. A lot of times people have um, difficulty determining what a processed food is. So this is what I say to make it super simple. Does it come out of a package? It's processed. Does it come out of a can? It's processed. Does it come out of a box? It's processed. Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, shop around the outside of the grocery store and stay out of the aisles in the middle because the real food is on the outside of the grocery store aisles. Corey, and all the rest of the aisles are junk food. Yeah, it's my observation in the interviews we've done with people who have been extremely successful in eradicating their cancer is that uh, a number of them were very much overweight. They weighed, uh, mm -hmm. you know, you get women that weighed 250, 300 pounds, men that weighed even more than that. And once they mm -hmm. realized their life was in the balance, they changed their diet, got on cannabis oil, and they're still alive today. They're healthy. And I'm thinking specifically of a couple of people, Jessamine Way in Oregon, who had brain cancer, and she was, uh, she was heavy. Now she's, she's a runner. She survived uh, her cancer. And uh, Miles Critchley in the UK, who was very much overweight, and uh, now he fasts yeah. regularly and uh, watches his diet very, very closely. Those people who eat healthy food, uh, don't consume sugar, and um, are aware of the fact that their body is fueled by what they consume in food, are really the most successful of all the people we've interviewed. And I suspect of all the people that you've, uh, you've helped as well. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I spoke with a woman this morning 
just this morning, uh, who had colon that had metastasized to the liver at some point. At any rate, um, this lady was obese and she changed her diet and detox the whole nine yards. And she called me up to show me the new her. She has lost 220 pounds. Wow. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Now she's still a little chunky. Um, she's definitely still overweight, but I'd say she probably needs to lose um, 40, another 40 pounds or so, but 220 pounds she has lost. And she said, I'm not even dieting. She said, I just changed what I eat. She used to be about soda, soda and chocolate bars. And um, she said, I can't stand that stuff now. Oh, so. <laughs> well, she must have been well over 400 pounds. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then we interviewed that fellow... Uh, forget where it was i think it was in kentucky it was consuming um oh like the pop he was drinking a dozen a day oh yeah dozens and dozens of pop a day yeah yeah interesting yeah diet is extremely important Corey, extremely important now see you know i think with diet so sugar and processed foods are the worst but i think the diet per se has to fit the person Okay, this is a holistic approach, mm -hmm. mind, body, spirit. The individual's emotional health is really important too. Like there's people out there that would say vegan, alkaline, organic diet, and there's people out there that would embrace that. But there are others that that not, is not necessarily the best fit. Um, as somebody who's had the honor of sitting on stage with some of the top minds in the world on this, I can t both scientists and doctors, I can tell you that they'll all look at you and tell you you need a form of animal protein three or four times a week. Be that in the form of antibiotic-free chicken, grass-fed beef, wild-run fish, game meat, etc. So I think the diet has to fit the person. I don't like the term diet because it, that to me infers a temporary process. Yep. I think the person's far yep. better off to find a mode of eating that is both physically and emotionally satisfying for them and it's going to be conducive in their quest to get well. And I think they're far likely, more likely to stick to it as a result of that. Yeah, exactly. Now, Corey, in your counseling work that you've done over the last uh, 11, 12 years, what is the most difficult cancer to eradicate, in your opinion? Pancreatic, mm. esophageal, and I'd put ovarian up there as pretty darn close to not hormone-driven breast cancer, or what's the other type of breast cancer that women... Triple negative, triple positive, introductal, and uh, yeah. hormone-driven. Uh, no, hormone-driven was the bane of my existence, <laughs> as I always used to say, for 15 years. It wouldn't respond, or for not 15 years, for 12 years. I mean, it wouldn't respond. It was all over the map of what it responded to. There was no rhyme or reason to it. But since this four to one ratio that I stumbled upon, that has completely changed. We are repeatedly clearing women who are, I mean, I'm thinking of an individual here in Victoria who came to me very late in the game. It's everywhere. It's in her uh, adrenals. It's in her brain. It's in her bones, liver, and, you know, started with breast. And she basically was sent home to die with two months to live. And all of her numbers, you know, and tumors have halved. Mm. on this four to one ratio. Yeah. And, and I've mentioned this on the yeah. uh, previous programs that of the more than 20 people we've interviewed with brain cancer, um, all but one uh, is still alive, thriving, and uh, two 
Okay, all but two. Now, yes, yeah, because of Gino, we lost Gino a couple oh, months ago. That's right. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about Gino. Young man in the Soyuz. That was so tragic. Yeah. So um, it really works. Now, what is the easiest cancer to deal with in your experience? It's not the, Ooh, wow. really not the uh, not the correct term, easiest, but um, most successful. Well, okay, I've I've had uh, I've only probably worked with about seventeen to twenty two bladder cancers, but I realized the other day that I have a one hundred percent success rate with bladder cancer. But that said, I've only worked with about seventeen to twenty two of them. Um, I have a very very high success rate with lung cancer. Um, the lymphomas seem to clear pretty easily and, uh, believe it or not, hormone driven breast cancer. Now yeah. <laughs> it's gone from one end to the other hormone driven breast cancer is just responding so well lately. Let's, uh, talk about suppositories when you were first, di- oh, let's. <laughs> let's make an ass of ourselves. <laughs> Uh, when you were first diagnosed with, uh, with cancer, uh, suppositories weren't a thing at that time, were they? Cannabis suppositories. No, 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 they weren't. Yeah. No. And, uh, now they, now they are, and we sometimes get, uh, questions from people, oh, can you show me a study that they are effective? What do you say to those people? Well, there is that study that that uh, one that was that big long one that Boshadar uh, had is certainly available um, where they were studied this in a lab and um, discovered that with rectal dosing, the concentration of cannabinoids is 100 times stronger for THC and 250 times stronger for CBD. Right. Now, when you talk to people and you talk to them about suppositories, do you get much pushback? That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a terrible phrase. That's a great term for you. Suppositories and pushback. Oh, Lord. Um, well, what do you mean by pushback? I mean, I, I do get the well, man. Pe- people say, oh, go, uh, it's I like can't. the deer in the headlights and go, you want me to do what? But the surprising thing is, if a doctor said, okay, you have to take this pill by suppository, they would be fine with it, I suspect. Yeah, yeah. Generally, you know, when I I talk to them about, um, you know, not pushing it in too far, and when I walk them through how to do it so they make sure it's not pushed in too far, and I show them how slim it is, et cetera, et cetera. They're okay with it. You know, I look at them and say, look, you're not going to be gushing geysers here. It's a quarter teaspoon, you know. Um, And then generally they're okay, yeah. So for the men out there, would that be the best way to deal with prostate cancer? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. I, I... recommend rectal dosing over oral all the time um, regardless of whether or not the individual has a brain tumor or prostate cancer it has a far higher success rate far far easier to do and get up to that that high dose so you know like now we start patients right out the gate if we have a patient who's really ill we'll start them right out the gate at a gram a day divided over three doses rectally the whole reason that we would do all this build up before was so people could build up their tolerance. 
But with rectal dosing, you don't need to do that because in 90%, well, the statistic is 90% of cases, people won't get high. I feel it's much higher than 90% of people that won't get high. Um, the key, once again, is, and this is critical, folks, if you're doing rectal dosing, inch to an inch and a half in, no further, otherwise it gets pulled through the liver on the first uptake, and then you will get gorked out of your skull. Uh, so an inch to an inch and a half in, just past the inner sphincter muscle. And if they do that, they'll be fine, and they can drive, they can do whatever, and you get a good dose of oil in, and you can go about your day. Uh, you know, for the individuals who are perhaps got a cancer diagnosis and are still working, um, it enables them to be able to do that without being impaired. Uh, it's just so much more efficient on virtually every level. Corey, when you talk to people about cannabis and the first thing they say to you, to you is, oh, I don't want to get high. What do you tell them? Well, tell them they don't need to be high to do this. Yeah. That's what I tell them, and I talk to them about rectal dosing, et cetera. And you can use the the quote from Joss, who uh, was in Germany. Do you want to get high, or do you want to die? Do you die? want to get high, or do you want to die? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yes. Corey, do you get many inquiries from physicians, oncologists, and naturopathic doctors, or any type of physician? I'm getting more and more and more, more and more and more of them. I spoke with a physician the other day out of uh, New York City, I think. Um, I have a number of physicians that send patients to me. I actually have an oncologist with a very aggressive cancer who actually works at one of the major cancer centers in the States, and he has chosen to do oil and not do orthodox treatments at all. Mm. Um, I have a number of physicians patients to me, a um, number of naturopaths uh, that I speak with on a daily basis or, or a regular basis, and who are also sending a number of patients to me as well. Corey, besides... I actually had a... Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I actually had an oncologist uh, a while ago, uh, a month or so ago, a patient arrived at his office for her initial appointment and he walked her through all the chemo and radiation and stuff. I think she was ovarian. And uh, then he closed his binder and looked at her and he said, honestly, he said, your best chance is to call this lady and uh, handed her my information. So that was a first for sure. That was an oncologist, not a GP. Yeah, and they have to be very careful with what they do in terms yes, of their absolutely. recommendations. Of course they do. Yeah, yeah. No. Yes, yes. After eradicating your own cancer when you were only given months to live, tell us about some of the dramatic turnarounds that have really, you've witnessed over the years that have really impacted you. And... Uh, Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Well, there's that. You don't have to go, you don't have to go through several thousands of them. (laughs) No, (laughs) that young girl that was uh, one of the first people I helped uh, with a brain tumor. They'd done all the chemo and radiation they could. She was in, she was in uh, Serbia. Oh yeah, that's um, right. A little five-year-old, little five-year-old girl and her, her uh, sister, the mother's sister contacted me from London 
England. And apparently uh, the little girl, her she was unconscious. Uh, the family totally recognized it was too late uh, to save her, but um, she was seizuring almost constantly, I guess, from the tumor on the brain or the pressure. And did I think the oil would help? And I said, yes. And, you know, we worked some magic and, and that child received oil in Serbia. Um, I thought that was the end of it. And the next thing I knew, I got an email from the parents uh, saying the child was up and playing. The tumor was 50% gone and they were going to go see relatives on the weekend that they hadn't seen in three years because she'd been too sick to travel. Um, fast forward to that Christmas, I received another uh, email from them um, saying uh, with a photograph of her, um, she's back at school. Here's a picture of her in her Christmas concert and that tumor is 100% gone. Um, the last contact I had with them, I believe she had celebrated her 13th birthday. She was five years old. Wow! So that was yeah. a, that was a that was a pretty big one. I I get pretty teary talking about that. Jackson from um, Australia with the uh, lymphoma, who was on oil and it wasn't working, and he was quite literally on his deathbed. Plucked him off. He was you know a young man, um, sixteen I think at the time. Um, one really recent one, Bert, that we just cleared with. Uh, liver cancer uh, with that huge high, 1,496 or something for his oh, liver right. cancer in January. No hope and uh, got him on oil and it's he's clear, completely clear. Um, that was that was another huge one. Um, yeah, that was remarkable oh, because just, that because his liver his uh, count was 1,500 and something, 565, I think. And then this was something like that. It was extremely high. Yeah. And then this was in February when he started taking it at the end of March, it was uh, 5.1. Yeah. It was just amazing. It was absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. And then, you know, we have Gary from up Island who was literally on his deathbed, not supposed to make it through the night. The 83 year old with the double lung cancer and uh, the kidney cancer. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, there's just there's just so many. There's so so many, you know. Are people you talk to uh, who have children with cancer are they somewhat apprehensive about giving cannabis to their kids, or will they do anything, anything to save them? Well, you know, it is very, 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 very seldom that I actually reach out to a parent mm -hmm. i wait for the parent to come to me um you know it's obviously a really dicey situation in a lot of ways um i think by the time the parent approaches me they're often out of options or the treatment that the child is receiving it's very apparent is not working um or they've exhausted all other possibilities and then they come to me so i think they're more than willing at that point, they're desperate to save their child. So they're more than willing to give, in most cases, to give them cannabis, absolutely. Yeah, like the five-year-old in Serbia. Yeah. I mean, that's, a, that's yeah. a fantastic story. I love that story. You've told that before, but I, I completely forgot about it. That's, yeah. that's uh, Just a, incredible. Yeah. Does it, uh, I mean, it must buoy you up emotionally when you have these successes, but what about some of the failures 
And you've been at uh, conferences where they say the success rate is about 80% with cannabis overall. Mm -hmm. And the failures must impact you a lot emotionally. They do. Um, Some more so than others. Um, Gino that we mentioned was a huge loss. Probably that one was one of the hardest for me. He was such a young, vibrant man. And I met him and we literally plucked him off his deathbed at one point and we gave him another year and a half with his kids and stuff his young kids um i lost a young woman um recently julie uh to breast cancer um we initially had cleared her and i i think she was don't know whether she I think she sort of eased off on doing the maintenance dose for a while. Anyway, the long and short of it is that it came back and it went everywhere into the brain and lung. And um, we just lost her just before Christmas. That was very, very difficult. Um, The children always get me. The children always, Mm -hmm. always get me. Um, But, you know, and this is not the first time I've said this. I have to say that in every single time, that we've lost somebody, the, a loved one or friend or whatever has said, what a difference the oil made to that person's quality of life. Um, and often, even if we're not able to save that person, we're able to give them a quality of life and we're able to extend their life. Um, and that in itself, quite frankly, I feel is a gift. Yeah, that's a big reward. Yeah. Corey, to wrap up, have we uh, overlooked anything that we should be advising people on? In your opinion? Yeah, I, I, I guess I, I, I want to talk about a couple of things. Um, first of all, please be aware I'm trying to get together a program, and I'm hoping to see that come to fruition in the next couple of weeks, which is going to allow people to be able to book an appointment with me. Um, a lot of time is spent with the individual messaging me. Hopefully I see the message, uh, then I get back to them, and there's a lot of back and forth. Uh, this is going to make it a lot easier for individuals you know, to just put in a a time that they're available and free. Um, So that's one thing that I want to talk to you about. I want to, you know, again, please, please be so, so careful of these, these Facebook pages. Okay, please. These people ask what their credentials are. Ask what the credentials are when they're talking to you and giving you advice. As I said, most of them are thin veil for scamming or selling people. Um, you know, there's an individual who's very, very involved in helping people. Uh, and she says the louder they shout about having product, the faster and further you run. Okay. <laughs> the more they're shouting about having oil, she says the true oil makers, they don't advertise. No. Okay. They don't need to. All right. Because they've got a decent product. The other thing that I want to talk to people about is CBD and CBG. So, you know, when I started this back in the day, it was all about high THC high THC, high THC. It was almost frenetic. As time went on, we became aware of the role the other cannabinoids play. I think the average individual has heard of, uh, or the you know general population are familiar now with THC and CBD, but they are not familiar or aware that there are over 100 cannabinoids. Um, one of the main cannabinoids is CBG and CBC and CBN, all of which are getting a lot of press right now because it's been discovered that they could be quite effective in killing cancer too. However, they're very selective. Uh, For any listeners out there, ovarian cancer listeners, uh, there is a physician in Italy, or Italy, Israel, whose name I can't pronounce, I'm not even going to try to, 
um, doing trials right now with ovarian cancer where they're seeing quite a bit of success with a three to one ratio, THC to CBC, and then maybe some CBG thrown in as well. Um, CBN is getting um, a lot of press as well. CBN is very, very good at anything that's hit the lungs or anything that will tend to hit the lungs. So for example, you know, if I'm working with a colon cancer patient, often I will put them on a CBG, CBN, CBD, because often colon will go to the lungs. So even if they don't have it in the lung, hopefully that's going to stop it from going in the lung. Um, CBG uh, is showing great strides with um, colon cancer, brain tumors, particularly glioblastoma, anything that's gone into the bone, breast cancer, um, and lung. Um, I also think that it seems to be working a bit with these pancreatics, etc. So often now what we're doing is putting the patient on three rectal doses a day of this four to one ratio. And then we're as sort of an adjunct thing, getting them to do a CBDGN or a CBDCBG tincture or infusion during the daytime, um, which they just take under their tongue. That is non-psychotrophic. Um, CBD, I, it, that combination or those combinations can be a bit of a mood elevator, but not in a THC kind of way. Um, I feel it's a mood elevator because CBG is very good at reducing anxiety. Well, you know, H-E-L-L-O, okay? <laughs> Show me anybody who doesn't have anxiety these days, let alone individuals fighting for their lives. Of course, they've got anxiety. Yeah. So it's very good at reducing that. It's very good also at reducing inflammation in the body. And as I've already mentioned, you know, um, inflammation is one of the uh, prime prime root causes of, of pain and also great cancer breeding place. The other thing I just want to talk to people about is colloidal silver. Uh, for about last three and a half years, I've been speaking with breast and prostate cancer patients about it because there were a number of articles coming out on PubMed and the National Institute of Health indicating it was extremely effective in eradicating those cancers. Um, however, I speak with all cancer patients about it now. Um, I had a guy with head and neck cancer a year or so ago, and that's very, it's a brutal one that, uh, you know, it's, the treatment's barbaric. It's never a happy ending. He'd had all the treatment. He was an absolute mess. He had three little boys under five, and I was desperate to try and find something else for him. And I came across this article uh, out of the journal Clinical Oncology talking about a 77-year-old who had nasal cavity cancer and they had chemoed him and radiated him and then did a, two surgical resections. And oh, surprise, yet says me with sarcasm, when it was all said and done, now he's got huge liver and lung metastasis and they send the individual home on hospice. Without telling his oncologist, he begins ingesting 120 mils of colloidal silver every day. In three months, he completely eradicated that cancer. In all of these cases right now, Ian, that where we're seeing these um, incredible results, the two common denominators in every one of these cases is they're all doing this four to one ratio and they're all doing colloidal silver. Mm -hmm. um, so mm -hmm. colloidal silver is like vitamins. There's great ones and crappy ones. So you got to be careful where you, you get it from or you can learn to make it yourself. But um, that combination, for whatever reason, seems to be very good, particularly with these head and necks, the esophageals. I've seen a huge, huge jump in esophageal cancer. And uh, I used to get one esophageal cancer every five or six months. 
at one point a couple of months ago, I was getting seven to 12 of them a week. I have seven individuals in a one hour radius of me right now with esophageal cancer. Wow. So um, yeah. that combination though of the four to one and the colloidal silver seems to be really key um, in treating that. Mm-hmm. Great stuff, Corey. Uh, thank you very much, remarkable lady. And uh, should we do this thank again you. next week? Yeah, why not? <laughs> sure. Okay. No, not you and I. We'll we'll, we'll, do we'll talk to someone. Someone who's been very successful. Somebody else. We'll talk to somebody else. Exactly. Yeah. Someone. <laughs> you won't have to do as much talking. I appreciate. Mm-hmm. Well, before we go, I want to let our listeners know that you can help us spread the word about the amazing, often life-saving health benefits of cannabis just by sharing the podcast, writing a review, or rating us. We very much appreciate uh, the help of everyone who's done that already. And we really like the five-star ratings. We'd also like to thank those of you who support the show by making a one-time donation or a monthly donation on our Patreon page, which you can do for as little as $5 a month. It helps to keep us running. You'll find out how to do that on our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Thank you for your support. It means so much to us. And we'll be back again next week with another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. Thanks for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. For more information and to search previous podcasts, visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by donations from our listeners. If you found the information helpful, please consider making a donation in any amount through our website. You can also help us share our message by leaving a review on your podcast listening platform. We are very grateful for your support. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Tune into a major journey podcast today, where guests take listeners on journeys and immerse themselves in the roller coaster ride both in and out of the cannabis space that brought them to where they are today. Throughout our conversations, guests share valuable lessons that they've learned along the way that listeners can use to empower growth both in their personal and professional lives. Check out A Major Journey today on all major podcast platforms.